Welcome to Americans in Germany drinking whiskey. This is Jeff. And this is Alex. Today we have a special episode for all of you people. We will be talking about drinking culture with a guest while uh, discussing the differences between uh, the culture in the States versus the culture here in Europe or Germany. And we will also be drinking three different cocktails made by her from some of the whiskeys that we've had in the past. Right. So in lieu of, a, this will be the only episode we've ever had where we didn't have a new whiskey because we're having new cocktails instead. Yes. And our guest is a very professional, well-known bartender. Uh, she has worked in the US and in Europe. So she has that firsthand knowledge of what the drinking cultures are. So exactly. let's dive on in with these. Pretty fun. This is going to be some tasty, uh, tasty cocktails. This is going to be a rough day tomorrow. Yeah, but I'm excited anyways. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> And here we are, as usual, this is episode 81. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we want to thank all of you who showed up to the meetup uh, last Friday. Even Our in-person meet and greet, whatever you want to call it. Exactly. Yeah. Even though uh, at the time of recording right now, we hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but No, but by the time this episode comes out, it will have happened. So I felt weird not thanking the people who, who hopefully did end up showing up. All yes. two of you. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Thanks yeah. for coming. And uh, we'll, we'll give you a real shout out uh, when we record yeah. we'll next give, time. We'll, we'll give you all a real update of what went down <laughs> later on. But that's just the, just so you guys know, we appreciate from the past. We do. Moving on, as I hope some of you know, it, we are currently in Oktoberfest. We are. Time uh, usually starts around September 18th, somewhere between September. Middle September. Yeah, middle September yeah. slash endings of September, and it goes into the first week of October. But unfortunately, once again, Oktoberfest, the actual Oktoberfest has been canceled due to COVID-19. Yes. And, you know, it, it, it makes sense because uh, you know, the entire event is indoors, as we mentioned, in these huge tents. And, you know, you could say, oh, well, you could just make sure people are social distanced, but it's, you know, social. Is, is it worth our risk? Yeah. Probably and not. Enforcing social distancing at, I don't know, 200 tables per tent, uh, oh, you know, with people who've had, you know, eight liters of beer, it's, it's going to be impossible. So exactly. Like, it, it'll hopefully be back uh, next year. Hopefully, um, it's been a while. I miss Oktoberfest. Yeah, but this weekend we are going to a. There's a. There's a lot of mini fake Oktoberfests popping up around Berlin. Right. These kind of smaller events with just like 100, 200 people. Yeah. So you know where we can you know wear our lederhosen and hear the oompa bands and stuff and yeah, you know, that'd, get, that'd get a fun. small taste. Yeah. I don't have lederhosen anymore though. I have to get some new ones. Anymore? Why you burn them or what? No, no. I bought a pair and they broke like the day I bought them because they're super cheap. And then I tried to fix them and it wasn't even worth it. And then when I moved, I was like, I'm getting rid of How much were they? Do you remember? <laughs> Like 30 euro, oh, which okay. is That's so gar- cheap. Gar- was it? Even like a hundred, I think mine were 120. That's and, cheap. Yeah. And even that's cheap. Yeah. yeah. But like they're, they're decent enough. You can't tell from afar and they're actual leather, but you have to be very careful with them because you know, they will eventually just deteriorate because they are, it's like cheap leather and you know, exactly, you know, usually they're between 500 and a thousand euros. Yeah. You know? They're, they're great. They're surprisingly crazy expensive considering, you know, they're meant for people who like work on a farm and stuff. Well, they used to be, but, but, but to be fair, like That's none of them were touristy nowadays, like they're meant for, you know, mostly, you know, Bavarians who will buy their later hose and, and then they're going to wear that same later hose for the next 20, 30 years. So like, so wild. yeah, your pair and, and your drink, it's like a car, it's like an investment <laughs> yeah, and your dirndl as well. Like is meant to, you're not meant to have like five of them to pick and choose. It's like, you have that one outfit and you just, cause what you, I mean, if you only wear it at Oktoberfest, then it's you're wearing it like one or two days every year. Right. I mean, if you're Bavarian, sometimes you wear it on the Sundays and stuff, but still it's like, you're not, you're not wearing it a lot. So it should last a while. I'd say. 
it's just yeah it's just crazy I, I, just, just the fact that that later hosen exists is just wild to me yeah um but it's cool uh anyways also um in other news europeans are now well starting november october november yeah we'll be november able first yeah november first we'll be able to travel to the usa again for the first time in like two years yeah almost yeah almost two years at march 2020 and now yeah. we're and we're in october 2021 so it's a year yeah year and a half it's been a long time europeans can't have not been able to go for tourism purposes like it's only for like extraneous circumstances you know like you have to have like a, a business meeting or death in the family or something like that um and uh unfortunately it didn't work out for you no because i'm gonna go in in in, a, in about a week and yeah, it's happening like a month after I'm leaving. Sucks. Like a few- it's super annoying because I wanted my girlfriend to come with me. So of course, yeah. I'm going to go to a wedding. I have to go to the wedding by myself now. Could look like a loser by yourself. I know. I'm, I'm pretty... At the loser table. Yeah, it's, it sucks. I'm not, I'm not happy about it. But I get to see my family. That's nice. I'm really excited to go back for the first time in almost three years to Dude, stay I mean, to see my family. Both of us were both really looking forward to the, my God. you more more soon, but me in a couple months. Yeah, yes. same, just because it's been so long. So long. Um, yeah, but I I, so many bagels and Chinese food. Oh my God. Right. And yeah. Taco Bell bowling with your dad. Oh, I'm bowling with my dad. I'm going to bowling with my dad for sure. Dad, uh, dad, we're going bowling by the way. At least once. Yes. I lucked out because they're allowing it November 1st and me and my girlfriend were planning to go for Christmas. So it's just in time for her to, I mean, hopefully, I mean, they say it's going to start November 1st. Exactly. But, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's weird so. timing because that's when, you know, winter's coming and things are probably going to get worse. I don't know. Yeah, but I think they realize, hey, if you're fully vaccinated, yeah. and you have a negative test, what like you you're good to go. You they're, know, they're, they're covering their bases. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it'll be fine. Yeah, when I when even when I'm going as an American citizen, I needed my uh, need to get a test before with my vaccination. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, how are you? How are you doing these these days? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I haven't really been up too much recently. I had a really relaxed weekend. Uh, watched the Patriots win some football, so that was fun. Nice. Always fun. The Patriots win football. Yeah, and not, 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 nothing else really uh, going on. Just looking looking forward to going to the states. Uh, I got all my my suit ready for the for the wedding. I'm gonna look pretty pretty nice. fly. Two weeks, right? And then you're you're off. I'm out of here for about two weeks. So we're so we're gonna have a pause here for the podcast for oh, a little bit. We should mention, yeah, there, there'll be about like a three week pause. Yeah, uh, there'll the be a pause. So, so um, we're not dead. It's just you know, just yeah. stuff's happening. Uh, How about yourself? You're good. Yeah, you, you, you don't look good. No, you, you look like I, you've been crying. I, I had a pretty bad eye injury today, um, and my vision in my right eye is still super blurry. And it, yeah, it's just painful. And I'm not going to go the whole story because it's rather the, what happened to cause it. It's rather stupid, but the injury is pretty. Uh, kind of how it goes with eyes a lot. Severe, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty annoying. So, anyways, hopefully by tomorrow it's better. But yeah, so um, I'm trying uh, to see you right now. Uh, but, but you know what? I am excited for this episode's coming up. It's a whole new episode. We are having whiskey cocktails. Yes. I'm very excited for this. It's going to be very fun. So let's, let's move on to the good stuff. Let's do it. But first, uh, if you have not checked it out, we have an awesome website. It's really good. It's a G D W podcast.com. That's a G D W podcast.com. We have extras on there. We have our Instagram link on there. We have our whiskey reviews on there. Um, I'm sure there's a picture of me and Jeff on there too. If you want to see our 
our you know mediocre faces um yeah, and there's definitely pictures floating on there there so are you can find those and now without further ado we're going to introduce uh vanessa a colleague of mine at the kindergarten but an ex-bartender and uh, we're gonna have a nice conversation with her while drinking some awesome cocktails yeah. that she's been prepping like all week so yeah and, pretty and, and she she mentioned she used to work at some very high profile bars um in miami yes and in italy as well and, and so she knows her whiskey so i'm a little intimidated whenever i talk to her about whiskey nah it's fine like i think she's gonna have a good time i think she'll enjoy seeing uh my collection of whiskey because she because she hasn't yet chosen which true which brand of she, she, she chose the cocktail she's going to make but she's going to choose the whiskey in about uh five minutes yeah. when she arrives and, and it's so what's going to happen is we're going to have three different cocktails and she's going to i think it's one rye one scotch one bourbon i think bourbon okay um so we're what we're going to do is uh we'll introduce her she's going to uh make a cocktail we're going to talk for some minutes then uh, go to part two, a new cocktail talk, and then part three, another cocktail. Um, and of course, she'll quickly explain what's in the cocktail. So if you're at home and that sounds tasty to you, you can uh, make one yourself. Exactly. So uh, without further ado, as you already said, let's bring in Vanessa and let's talk drinking culture. Okay. And here we are with Vanessa. As we mentioned, she is a colleague of Alex's who... Yes. Once used to be one of the primo bartenders internationally of, 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 of the world of, of the world. <laughs> and um, she's now here to tell us a little about the drinking culture in uh, the United States versus kind of Europe. And also she's going to make three cocktails for us. She, she just made the first cocktail. Uh, we're really excited to drink this. Welcome, Vanessa, to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, can you explain real quick, what, what are we drinking? So just so everyone who's listening knows, uh, Vanessa, I think for the first time in her life, just made a cocktail in a well-lit uh, bedroom at the end <laughs> of, of, of a bed. Actually, well, I don't know. Hey, don't judge. Maybe she's made a few cocktails <laughs> in her, in her bedroom. Who knows? Uh, AKA our recording studio. It's now a bedroom recording studio and a bar. So well, well done, your bedroom. Um, so what, 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 are, what are we drinking today, uh, Vanessa? So we are drinking a more traditional whiskey sour. Nice. Ooh. Now, I, I also want to preface too. I have had like, I think one or two. Preface? Yeah. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. I don't know. We say preface in Pre California. I don't, maybe it's different in East Coast. Yeah. Preface. Preface. What, what do you say? Preface. Yeah. Preface. I, I want to preface this. <laughs> Sorry. Hey. We're saying that I don't drink a lot of cocktails uh, and I've only had, I think, like one or two whiskey cocktails in my life. Wow. So this is all new to me. I'm very oh excited. My. Yeah, oh, I know. You're a, you're a rookie, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, just, I just never really. <laughs> Welcome to the club. I know. Thank you. Now, can you explain to the people who maybe do not know, unfortunately, what a whiskey sour is? Uh, what is in a whiskey sour? I do not know. I think oftentimes it's made um, with just like lemon juice, sugar, and and whiskey, but originally it's actually made with egg white. And I think a lot of people are scared a little bit of egg whites because oh, they think, oh, you know, salmonella or whatever. Yeah. But it's literally like the odds of getting hit by lightning. I mean, it's it's just, it adds a lot of velvety texture. Um, you know, it, it's really adds a creaminess to the cocktail. It's, it's awesome. It smells amazing. Yeah. yeah. I've been to some bars that they do the whiskey sour, yeah, without, without the egg white. So you'd say... 
you'd be missing out on something if, if you Absolutely. had if you had one without the egg white. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you go to any classic cocktail bar or you go to any restaurant or bar that has like that kind of like elevated cocktail program, or I think even nowadays, because it's so popular to have cocktails, even not something that's so elevated, even something casual or divey can yeah. make these classic cocktails in a more traditional way, so... Yeah. Cool. Excellent. I'm excited. I, I love a good whiskey sour. For me, that's a really nice summer drink. Uh, I, I enjoy it. So. so let's let's cheers and then we'll get yeah, into asking cheers. some real questions. Cheers. So cheers. we can't cheers. reach you away over there, but get your way over there. Yeah. Clang, that's right. Hi, Clang. cheers. Ooh, that's good. And mm, that is good. Also, as everybody knows, uh, Vanessa went down to our or to Jeff's um, whiskey cabinet and picked out a few to use. So what are we drinking? What kind of whiskey are we drinking right now? Oh, good question. Oh, we are drinking Willet, right? Is it Willet? Yeah. Is, it, is it the bourbon? Yeah, yeah. Is, is it, it the, the one in the weird bottle that looks like the a, one in the beautiful a whiskey distiller? Dis, still, sorry. That is yeah. Willet. So there's a Willet bourbon whiskey sour with egg white. Yeah. Vanessa. When did you become a bartender? When, you know, what was your, your origin story? I mean, I'm from a really small town and I started, you know, working in a restaurant when I was 15 and I didn't serve alcohol. Um, it was it was a pizza place. And I just remember quickly after working there for a short period of time, I started working in restaurants that served like beer and basic drinks like Cosmopolitans and stuff. Mm. And I actually fell into mixology by accident. I had a roommate that was complaining because her boss like was opening a new bar and wouldn't let any of the bartenders work there because it was... Uh, too complicated or I forget the word she used but I said well I'm not happy at my job I'll apply and I did and I just remember in the interview him flipping up the laptop and like these are the spirits we'll carry and I'm just looking at it like okay (laughs) (laughs) I've heard of a quarter of these and I mean it was just the probably the one of the best things that ever happened to me I, I went from loving the restaurant industry and loving just being a bartender to like really diving into this world of mixology and being able to take my love for cooking and put it into what I was making behind the bar. And I think also too is when I, that's the point where I really, really fully started understanding spirits and what, how they're made and why we use different ones and how we create a cocktail. What does that mean? You know? Right. And actually I was going to ask when, when you applied for that first job, what would you say your level of education was on making cocktails was it just kind of the few that you had you know kind of put together in college or did did you already kind of start learning on your own before you <laughs> That's before, a great before that I mean, first job of course i thought i knew it all you know like i thought i already you know <laughs> knew it all i think i had been bartending for maybe like three years and i it really put me in my place because i didn't know anything i thought i did but i that's the uh, i think it's called the dunning kruger effect <laughs> when you learn something new and you think you know everything until you realize you know nothing so it's yeah. like a graph you're up here and then it goes all the way back down to zero you have to build yourself back up to actually learn yeah and yeah. know things yeah i mean i had i thought i could make i probably could have made like hundred cocktails what I thought were cocktails before that job (laughs) and then I get this job and then they're like this is bitters and this is like my 50 different types of syrups and I'm like wow like (laughs) that sounds complicated what do I even do with all of that I know and I'm like wait wait but I can use all of this in a drink like it was really uh yeah I mean cracking an egg and like how do you like with one hand and like it doing all these cool tricks it was like so it's like pretty sobering 
No it, pun intended. I, yeah. <laughs> it was it was wild. It was a uh, it was cool. Now, did you find as you were starting out that other that bartenders in general are generous with their knowledge? Like, are are they excited to kind of? Uh, teach a, a new person their tricks, or they, like, they, do they, or do they more look down on you? They more they more condescending because they they're like, oh, that she knows she doesn't know anything compared to what, what I know, or, or they competitive because I don't want her to know what I know because yeah, I'm the best true. bartender in this block. Well, that's that's actually a, a great question. I think you know I started out in Chicago, so when I started out, it was like I mean, obviously, like Dale DeGroff, he is a mastermind, and he actually rebooted the pre-prohibition cocktail in the 80s but this is in new york Mm. in chicago i think you know when i was a part of opening this one bar you know part of that staff we were the second cocktail bar in the city so at the the time i mean yeah like full-on like pre-prohibition style mixology Mm. absolutely yeah we had like the violet hour which was like like um molecular kind of cocktails and then we were kind of like this like neighborhood dive bar that did like classic cocktails and i think that i mean was my boss the nicest guy probably not but was he full of knowledge and did he really give me the best base for technique absolutely Mm. i mean the things he taught me have stuck with me till today you know and it was a, a huge part of my career um, so I think in the beginning, there wasn't really a lot of knowledge to go around because there wasn't a lot, oh, a big okay. scene, yeah. but as the scene grew, I mean, you have both, you have those arrogant bartenders that like know it all and, mm-hmm. you know, too good, too cool for school. And then you have the ones that, you know, we're in this together, we're going to grow together and we're constantly sharing like different recipes and we'd always have a, a bar Bible behind the bar yeah. and we would like, <laughs> if we made a cocktail and the guests loved it and they ordered it again and again, we might jot it down in the bar Bible so that like, if you weren't bartending, another bartender could make it or cool. I mean, so very nice. Yeah. I mean, you definitely seem like you are generous with your knowledge because just in the past 10 minutes that you've been here, when you were making this first cocktail, you were throwing all kinds of, uh, <laughs> of, of good tidbits our way. True, yeah. We understood about half of them, but still it was, it was a lot of good information. Now I do have to mention, you said you started in Chicago, yet you dislike a well-known Chicago rye whiskey known as <laughs> Few. Now, uh, and I, believe, I believe few is a it's a pro it's like a prohibition style like they're basing it off of prohibition style rye whiskey if i remember their story correctly uh or, or actually did they start when did they start wasn't they're not that old are they no 10 I, years or something yeah okay yeah I, mean, I don't really know their story and uh <laughs> i don't want to be a whiskey snob but I'm just, I, I guess I'm just like not really a fan of their, their flavors. Like, Which is fine. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I've had like, we, we've, we've had hundred euro whiskey. People said that like, this is the most amazing thing I'll ever have. And we're like, that's all right. It's pretty good. And you that know, is, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I think the process of making any kind of spirit is, is incredible. I've been <laughs> to many distilleries, many different styles, you know, Jack Daniels and Dickel, they use coal and you go to Four Roses and you, I mean, just like, just even just being going to Jameson was really incredible. I mean, yeah. I totally respect the whole process and, and everyone's approach to making spirits. I think it just comes down to your palate. How do you like to drink the whiskey? What yeah, do you want to mix it with? Yeah. And for me, Fuse just isn't really, uh, for me but i totally respect what they're doing totally fine yeah yeah i mean but yeah i've I've always been in awe of just the t- 
time dedication that whiskey requires. You know what I mean? I mean, we it's were, unbelievable. We were talking to with one of the founders of the uh, Spreewood Distillery. Uh, yeah. Spreewood Distillery. Spreewood Distillers. Yeah. And um, and because we asked him when you started, you know, you have to wait. You know, what ten is it, years, 10, or 10, whatever 12 long it's going to be. And you don't actually, I was like, but how do you know if it's going to turn out good? And he's like, you don't like, he's like, we, you, so have, you, you, you taste the mash. You're like, this could be good. And yeah. then you wait and then maybe yeah. it's not. And yeah. that's like a lot of money and time yeah, super have, wasted. Yeah. You have a good master distiller and you, you hope for the best, but, um, it's just so much time. It's like anytime we have a whiskey and it's like an 18 year and I'm always thinking like, what was I doing 18 years when I was 18 <laughs> years ago, this was being corked in that cask and it's just I, it's, I don't know it's cool to think about and it's pretty know? wild yeah it's cool and, and even the process like what barrels are you going to use and from right. where and, and are they charred are they not charred well there's certain laws that they make you have to char them um but like were they pre-used and what were they pre-used for like sherry, yeah, sherry or yeah. port barrel mm. you know i mean there's so yeah there's so many options you have when you want to create your own spirit when it, i mean there's definitely a lot of rules in place to make sure like aging process charred process all these things but your mash bill everything about like you still have a lot of options too to choose from and i think that's what makes them really unique yeah absolutely i used do you remember the name of oh what's the name of the people that that actually char whiskey barrels there's a there's a there's actually a name for them like, I, like, I, like the job yeah, the, the I'm job. a whiskey charrer, a yeah, barrel yeah, charrer. Yeah, but there's actually a term for it. I, oh. I, oh, wow. I, I used don't to know. know it. I can't remember. Ah, Great. Somebody at home is <laughs> yelling through the thing. Um, but you know what we should do? Let's go around and just do like a basic review of the whiskey sour. Like, like okay. not just this whiskey sour in general, but like, do you the drink? Do you like the drink? Like, what, what are you digging about it? I, I really like the drinks. I, um, I'm not a huge fan of sweet things generally mm. um like, it I like, I like be sweet <clears throat> no it's not that's why i like it okay uh, i don't like sweet things I, i'm like when i choose like candy i like sour skittles and like sour gummy worms and stuff. oh then the whiskey, like sour sours, things. Right down so whiskey sours like right in my right down my alley exactly um and i like the because i was watching you make and it was really cool i watched like froth the the um the egg whites and everything and like it's weird because it's really incredibly like texture smooth, yeah. so smooth. But then it has like this kind of super sourness to it by getting a bit of the will as well. It's it's good. I'm really digging it. Yeah, I love the creaminess because I, 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 whiskey sour is kind of one of my go-to by myself cocktails when, I, when I'm when i in a mood, but like I never add the egg and God, is there a difference? You yeah, know? The, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, a, a basic whiskey sour is, you know, fine. I, I've but, had your whiskey sour. It's good, but this is... Oh, I thought you were like, oh, it was awful. This, this is much better. I would crack your eggs in a separate thing so you don't end up getting the yolk in your uh, beautiful whiskey yeah, before. Yeah, that's the pro tip, yeah. But the key... <laughs> no yolks. I think the key to, the, to this whiskey sour to get that creamy, to get that frothy, is you throw it all into your shaker and you shake it first without ice. And this is called a dry shake. And that dry shake allows that egg to really emulsify and like froth up nice. And then just add a couple cubes just to get that little bit of dilution in and to make it cold. You can pour it, these are served kind of neat in a rocks glass. You can do it in a coupe um, and or you could do it with like a large ice cube okay. or or even regular ice. It doesn't really matter because this is kind of a drink where it's easy drinker. So it's going to go down quick. Yeah. So you're not really worried about like diluting the ice diluting in your. Right. But true. the important key thing here is anytime you use egg white for any cocktail, no matter what your base is. You always want to do either a citrus zest or some sort of aromatic like bitters on top because otherwise you get that like egg smell and you don't uh, really want that when you're drinking. No. 
the scent you want from a whiskey sour is that citrus flavor, exactly. right? Rather than kind of the suddenly, yeah, an egg white in yeah. your face. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely a citrus cocktail. This should not be sweet. And if you want it sweet, you can always off balance by adding in a little bit more sugar. But it should be a sour lemon, like fresh citrus cocktail. It's good stuff. Lovely. Now, Big should fan. should we move on to cocktail number two? We, we I think we should move on to cocktail number two, Jeff. Okay, guys, we'll be right back with you. With it'll be surprise. We're not even gonna tell you. We'll, yeah, we'll find out. In a second, I don't even know. <laughs> Big, we'll we'll Big, find out. Big, I don't even know either. Big mystery. All right, let's go. Okay. And we're back with cocktail number two, two or dose, dose for those. Oh, or it's fine. Because we are yeah. a German podcast. After true. All. true. I, I always revert to dos because I'm from California. Sorry. Lo uh, yeah. But uh, what do we have now? This is a slight spin on an old fashioned. So I used scotch instead of uh, rye or some may debate bourbon. Mm. Um, and uh, instead of using uh, like a demerara, which is typically what we'd most bartenders would probably use for an old-fashioned um, or uh, a basic simple syrup. I actually infused um, simple syrup with a little bit of orange rind, cinnamon, nice. uh, cardamom, and a little pineapple. Ooh, so lovely. Yeah, make it yeah. a little wintry. Oh, very nice. Or not wintry, sorry. Autumn-y. Fall. Autumn-y. Autumn-y. It's the pumpkin spice latte of drinks. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. <laughs> That's no. not allowed. No okay. pumpkin spice. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers from afar. Cheers. Let's see what happens. Oh, that's really good. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That is a really interesting old-fashioned. That is good. That yeah. cinnamon comes a little bit late. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. But you can t- you can taste that effusion of the pineapple and all that. Like, yeah. yeah it's like a, just a slight hint. Just enough, you know? Yeah. That's really, a cool drink. That's tasty. And I, I already said I'm a big whiskey sour guy, but I'm also a big old-fashioned guy. So this, you're, this you're is, pretty old-fashioned, like, This is like my favorite night right now because they're not <laughs> all my favorite cocktails. So. All your favorites. Yeah, I mean the key to this is just you know keeping the 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 sugar level down so that the the whiskey of your choice shines, I guess, and using the right bitters too to complement that. So, I used Reagan's orange and Angostura for this one. So, and I think that gives you like a nice like sit by the fire kind of vibe. Right, and you always got to put that little slice of orange in there, right? You know, to like. Yeah, I mean, I think for traditional old-fashioned, I usually love to do both the lemon and the orange. I think this cocktail is like is so debated on what's like traditional and what's not. Yeah. Which is funny for something called an old-fashioned. You think to be one way to make it because it's old-fashioned. No, I mean it's true, and and many bartenders will argue that their way is the old-fashioned way, you know. Right. But I think. I think the key is that this is supposed to be a cocktail that's just, you know, focusing on the whiskey and or whatever you put in it. You could do a rum old fashioned. I mean, there's many ways you could do it, but I think it's just a a, a simple classic cocktail that's also easy for you to like, you know, change it up a bit at home if you want. Well, it, it is yummy in my tummy. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's, it's definitely a good like beginner whiskey cocktail. I think for somebody, I think people get scared because like, oh, there's it's gonna be too bitter for me. But I think old fashions in general aren't overly bitter. You know what I mean? Like that's not the overwhelming flavor of an well, old fashioned. I, I think a lot of times people are a little bit afraid because sometimes they're overly sweet. I think sometimes mm. bartenders, um, because it is. A, a very common classic cocktail one that everyone's heard of i think a lot of times bartenders that want to like try their hand in making classic cocktails of course their go-to is like an old-fashioned and yeah. i think sometimes it's a little easier you don't really think okay if there's two ounces of whiskey there why is there only a quarter ounce of 
of sugar there has to be more you know and so then they add more a lot of times a bartender will get oh i want old-fashioned not too sweet mm. it's probably one of the most offensive things you can say to a bartender <laughs> because we i think bartenders work really hard at their jobs and they're good at what they do and we they should know how to balance a cocktail. Yeah, a balanced should, cocktail yeah. is never too sweet. That's true. Um, but yeah, we've been talking about the differences in bartenders, but let's jump a little wider to the differences kind of between making, you know, or ordering and receiving a cocktail, say in the U.S. versus Europe. You know, you you have experience, of course, in both having lived in Europe. You know, and uh, and you mentioned that you've done you you've, you've taught bartending in Italy as well, and of course, you were a bartender in the U.S. for did you say nineteen years? I mean, I wasn't a bartender for 19 years. I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> I worked in the restaurant industry for almost 19 years. Yeah, okay. I mean, in total, I started working when I was 15, and I'm almost 40. Oh, yeah. I was, oh, yeah. Oh, you started early. Yeah, I did. I was like, did you get that? Like, what is that? That parent signed work permit? I think when you're 15 <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. I did the same thing at 15. I was a busboy. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So dad I mean, dropped me off at at work. Yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> Picked you up two hours later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fifteen work. Yeah, work hours. Crazy. Um, so yeah. What What are some like differences, or, or do you know any major differences that you've seen between uh, that kind of the bartending culture or drink culture in Europe or Italy, Germany versus the states? I mean, I think that. Um, yeah, I, I think as far as like mixology goes and like cocktails like this, I I think it just the states. You know, because we had that pre-prohibition, we, it's where most classic cocktails have, you know, came from, you mm. know. And then during prohibition, a lot of those bartenders moved to London. So that's why you see a huge cocktail culture in London and oh, and can mirror America in many ways as far as like th how advanced it is and how popular it is. And so we, you, you would say the state is probably like the highest level of mixology. I mean, I think it's... I think that it is, I mean, there's amazing bars all over the world now. Sure, yeah. I mean, incredible stuff coming out of all parts of Asia. I mean, Spain. But I mean, I think as far as like the pre-prohibition, like I think the abundance yeah, of okay. the generalization of like pretty much most cities you can walk into and you're going to find an amazing cocktail bar. I think that access. At least one, right. Yeah. yeah. I think that access is happening more in the U.S. than it is anywhere else. You know, I mean, moving to Milan, there were a lot of great cocktail bars. I mean, but I would have to say, you know, with all due respect, I mean, you could tell that there was still a young city in this mm. industry. There was a lot of growing mm. to do. It was still very minimal very little choices and um you know so i think the accessibility is much stronger in places like maybe the u.s or london but okay now cor correct me if i'm wrong um but i've heard that um you know due to i don't know if maybe some people in germany don't know but you know in the u.s we had a thing called prohibition where alcohol was made illegal for more than a decade and of course uh you know illicit illegal uh, you know, um, liquors and beers were made, you know, underground and speakeasies during that time, of course, because people, even though it's illegal, still wanted to drink. I've heard that. Imagine that. I've heard that <laughs> most cocktails that we enjoy now were created during that time because this uh, illegal liquor was so terrible that they had to they had to mix it with um, some orange juice, some this that, and that's actually kind of where kind of cocktails in general were huh. bo were born. A am I that makes am a lot I, of sense. Am I incorrect or is uh, 
Well, I mean, I think before Prohibition, it was always about the natural ingredients at a bar. I mean, you could always, you could get good cocktails even before Prohibition and things were made, you know, with great fresh ingredients because there was no such thing as processed. Or grocery stores. Or grocery stores, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, the birth of the speakeasy is amazing. I mean, gotta love a speakeasy. If you've never been to a speakeasy, there are still so many around today and I highly recommend it. It's just something nostalgic about being in a speakeasy. Sure. And those cocktails and the way it makes you feel to be in this like secret bar. And you're right. I mean, it's taken years and years and hundreds of years to perfect the amazing spirits that we're able to get today. And I think the cocktail allows us to drink like, yeah, during the time where people were making gin in their bathtubs. Yeah, it was, it was definitely safer to go to right. a speakeasy bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, that bathtub gin you had to mix with something because it was just so terrible. Like it got you drunk, but it was neat. T- tasted like garbage, right? So I was yeah. like, okay, or we, you we have die, to mix you know. it. Yeah. Or you yeah. get blind, yeah. <laughs> your left eye or something, yeah. yeah. Um, have you noticed, because you you mostly worked in the States, but you did some things also in Italy, of how people treat you as a bartender, as a uh, person in the industry, uh, are you treated better here or in, this, or in uh, the States? Or the same doesn't matter. You mean you mean like patrons at a bar? Like how would they treat her? Patrons at a bar, people in the industry. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I when I started getting into mixology and I started in the cocktail bar, I mean, of course, you know, I was the only girl in the bar. My first mixology bar I was the only girl. I think at that time, most women were wanting to work, you know, at clubs and sports bars because you know it was easy, fast money, mm. and the mixology was kind of more taken seriously by men. And so, I mean, I would say probably the first like easily five or more years i'd be the only woman behind the bar and yeah Mm. i I mean if people walked in they would try to go to the guy first yeah it took me having to work twice as hard you mean because because they assume he he knows more because he's a man rather than oh like oh she must be a trainee or just some sort of sexist you know yeah Yeah. she's just like the eye candy behind the bar or something she probably can't make me the same like a good drink like he can Mm. i don't know why I don't know why we're, why men can make why that assumption would happen. I mean, women cook more than men, right? I mean, I don't know. Sometimes, like I, I just like when you work in mixology. But, but at the same time, that most executive chefs are men as well, which is also true, ridiculous. Yeah, that's just the patriarchy. That's the yeah. that's society we live in, unfortunately. So I mean, I had to deal with that a lot in the beginning of my career and in, in in America in the in the states. You know, like being the only one behind the bar. And I mean, and as the years progressed, more and more women came into the scene. And man, I was blessed to work with some amazing people a lot of them women i mean some of the best bartenders even now are 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 women and um you know great friends i think moving to you know europe um is in to italy it was a challenge because um you know i worked really hard for all those years in the states working and being mentored under some of the best in the world and really just honing my skill you know like and I don't know, trying to be the best that I can. And then I moved to a country that um, it kind of was like going back in time. You know, yeah. I was like, oh, you're a woman. Oh, you could be a cocktail server. I think, you know, cocktail servers, they work hard and their job is just as important. But at the same time, when I have a, a, a resume of being a, a bartender and a beverage director and running these great programs, and then you 
you you just I I was even told once well I already have my amount of women behind the bar so yeah and I was like oh you already have your amount of women how many women women your women quota is filled how many women do you have oh I already have two girls and I was like oh okay and he's like yeah you know because and he told him this right to my face like you know because if there's too many girls behind the bar it's too much drama Oh wow! I was like, oh, oh, oh so, my so, god! So, so you're dealing with like really overt sexism. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, it, it it was like a week of like trying to pass out my resume to these bars that I thought, okay, I could I could learn from them. They could learn from me. Like this would be great, you know. Mm-hmm. To like, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what an asshole! Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, you you don't even look at my resume. You just think I'm going to be a cocktail server because I'm a, a girl, like a woman, and I'm just like, mm, no. When well, you're and like, I, I'm, I'm more qualified than anybody you have here, you know? So yeah, I'm way oh, more qualified so than everyone you have behind the bar. But because I'm a woman, and you have your quota, I'm I have to be a cocktail server. Like, I I just think like, why would you? want to give someone with this much experience like why would you want to put them aside like why wouldn't you want to like work together and make your bar like even just that much stronger make some amazing cocktails that are going to draw people from the next town over yeah we could learn from each other and i could give you all this knowledge i've learned from the mentors that i've been you know blessed to work with and you're gonna throw that away because i'm a woman it it was it was just too much for me and i i had to like think in my mind like do i want to go through that again because like when i started out in america in the u.s and like being the only girl and having to really fight for that position it it just like i was proud of that fight sure but then like now i'm in my 30s like do i want to do that again to go backwards to start all start like remove the whole foundation I have and start from the scratch from again. Scratch. Yeah. yeah, like in a new country and in a different language as well, which also sounds like it'd be way more stressful too. Exactly. Um, sure. I mean, yeah, it's the whole other element, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, that sounds extremely frustrating, and it I'm was. sorry. I'm sorry that that's. <laughs> do you, Do you think the industry is still that way, or do you think it's changing? Or I can't really speak for here in Berlin. Um, I I have been to a few cocktail bars, you know, recently, and I did see women behind the bar, and I think that that's great. I know in America it's completely different. I mean, some of the best, most of the bars in America are ran by amazing women mm. that are very cool, beyond talented, and and um, it, it, both in the spirit industry, you know, putting that spirits on your bar and bartending. I mean, I think the women have just really taken over and i love that awesome yeah, that's that's awesome yeah and, and in, in your time in the u.s versus europe did you notice in terms of let's go maybe move on to the drinking culture a little bit did you notice is there a certain type of cocktail or drink that's more popular in the u.s versus germany or italy like are or are, are people internationally kind of ordering in general the same types of cocktails the same kind of drinks or you know is there any kind of a difference that you could see or is it all kind of um you know alcoholics everywhere (laughs) enjoying the same stuff definitely there's alcoholics everywhere (laughs) Um, (laughs) no i mean i think in 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 the u.s it's a lot of like really like craft beer and i think because a lot of like the whiskey gin this like whole mixology like front 
like forefronts happening i think the beer industry is followed behind and so like you're seeing a lot of like really like flavorful ipas and mm. like a lot of that it, it, it coincides or i think here and i think definitely also in milan like in milan i think you're seeing a lot of more like gin Mm-hmm. and aperitivo style cocktails uh, yeah not so much whiskey not so much tequila not so much mez- mezcal things like that um more casual drinking i mean europe definitely is more casual drinking right more you know um maybe what we might say like one-on-ones or tall drinks like it's more integrated into culture as well i think in germany uh, in europe uh, where alcoholic beverages are just kind of like beverages yeah like yeah. Like that's a dangerous social, thing to say. <laughs> social drinking, you know, yeah. light drink, like light beers, like pilsners and you know, pales, like the the, the European pale ale, because yeah. like the U.S. pale ale is very different from is the European different. pale ale. Yeah. Um. But you know, and then here's like a lot of like apérol spritz and like just really casual mm. light drinking you know i think you're not really seeing so many spirit forward drinks as you would like maybe in the u.s yeah i i, I think as a not as a bartender but as a drinker i also have noticed um at least around the city of berlin and in other european cities you don't i don't see that many cocktail bars and the ones i do see especially in berlin are like um like i don't know if you know berlin k pasa this Mexican place that are all around the city and they're mostly a cocktail bar more than a Mexican place because in my opinion their food is pretty um, terrible but the cocktails are pretty cheap and good mm-hmm. uh, but besides that I don't see many scotch and sofa I really like yeah yeah that's one but generally I don't see many cocktail bars and when I go to a bar I rarely see people even ordering cocktails it's usually like you said beer Aperol spritz wine maybe like a um, a gin and tonic or a rum and coke or something like that yeah so that's definitely something that i have noticed for sure it's living here yeah i mean i think part of it's also the, the 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 fact that you can drink in public here and drink from an early age changes kind of your drinking style in the u.s i feel like it's kind Could of be, yeah. you go to work and then drinking is very much like kind of like a nighttime event whereas here you know, if you wanted to, you could go have a beer for lunch and nobody would judge you. Like maybe and some do, you know, like, in yeah, Bavaria, maybe, they do that. Yeah. 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 When I lived in Munich it, during work, it was like, Oh, let's go for the Wednesday beer for lunch. And whereas in the U S people, if your colleagues saw you drinking a beer in the middle of the day, be like, Oh, you know, what's you can get fired. Yeah. yeah what's his problem? You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and the fact that you can just drink in public here, you can just get a, yeah, like a light Pilsner and drink it in the park where you can't in the U S. Yeah. So everybody focuses on this event of, the cocktail and the whole and, and the, the whole going out is a different kind of a thing. What do you I, think? I think it's that, but also like you said before, there was that prohibition culture which we didn't have. Well, they didn't have here in, in Europe, so those cocktails were getting made and invented and and changed around. And then when prohibition ended, probably everyone's like, "Yo, guys, check this out. We made some really cool drinks over here." And then I probably spread where here. Sure, they're just well, drinking yeah. beer from yeah. from year twelve hundred, whatever. After prohibition, you know, even twelve hundred before that. I mean, year year ten. Yeah. I think that BC. like in like the fifties and fifties or sixties is when like Smirnoff came over to the states, right? Yeah. And then created vodka, and then there was the Cosmopolitan, and then it was more just about like that, like quick, fast drink. And I mm. think that's where like all that prohibition just you know. I mean, prohibition definitely killed it. Like I said, I mean, most of the bartenders came over to Europe and like the professional ones and. Yeah. You know, and that's how that the cocktail scene grew here, mostly in London. But like, you know, I, I mean, I think that I think the cocktail culture, I, 
I love the European culture of drinking casually and also even like in Italy, like drinking, like actually pairing your wine with your food, like understanding yeah, what you're drinking, yes. understanding the, the flavor profiles and drinking it with passion and drinking it like it should be drank. I mean, alcohol, I think the sad thing about the U.S. is that many people treat alcohol as like a way to get drunk. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times these wonderful spirits and these wonderful cocktails and these cocktail bars, they're not appreciated as much as they should be because what the cocktail bars are trying to do is pair food and show you how you can drink this cocktail or that spirit or that wine or whatever with your meal and enjoy it and remember it and savor it and but the culture for the u.s is like well let's just do shots and let's, let's get, get drunk get up. Yeah. you're right after yeah. work i go it's happy hour i get drunk i get wasted and like i don't remember what i drank so it's all it just, doesn't matter either doesn't matter. As, as long as like, the bartender's getting seven dollars yeah. with a three dollar tip exactly yeah. like as long as it's cheap and i can get wasted i i just think that whole idea and like now the bartenders and mixologists are working so hard to like change that way Mm -hmm. of thinking in the american mind because they want you to come into a bar and they want you to spend the money on this drink and sip it and enjoy enjoy it it. and love it like like, like a meal i mean it's kind of similar with the restaurant industry in the states too um you're not really technically allowed to sit and eat as long as you want because you have to get that out of that table so the next table can come. But if you keep ordering cocktails, at least as long as you want. Yeah, you keep ordering cocktails, you're good, yeah. of course. Spending but money. I just <laughs> the, 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 spending money. I think the general like kind of thing of, of what, what I'm thinking in my head right now when you're saying that is that kind of that that quickness of the United yeah. States mm. of like, hey guys, let's let's slow down a bit. Yeah, and enjoy, enjoy some it. of the things that right. we have. Yeah. And, um, and fair enough. There's probably there, there are people in the U.S. who do enjoy it and who yeah, are course. shifting Absolutely. over. You know, one of the most lovely things I had in, in Berlin and I. Can't remember where it was, but it's like Leistrayak. There's a, it's like a craft beer place. It's made out of shipping containers. Brillo, is it? It's Brillo, yeah. At Gleistrayak, yeah. Okay, um, but they have a thing on their menu where they will bring you uh, five beer tasters, and it was each one they pair a different, um, what do you call it? Forschbeisen. What's that in English? Uh, appetizer. Appetizer. So Finger like a, food. So a little snack paired with five little glasses of beer. And it is freaking lovely. And it, it, it's not lovely. It's not just lovely. It's smart. It's also smart, but because salt makes you want to drink more. True. Yeah. So does beer. Yeah. True. <laughs> beer makes <laughs> you, you want to drink some more right. beer. Yeah. Beer, alcohol, always makes you want to drink more alcohol. <laughs> but pairing food with your drink is smart because not only are you getting to taste the flavors and hope hopefully appreciating both ends the food and the drinks but also the more you eat the salty foods makes you want to drink more sure and if you're eating eating foods you're going to delay your getting wasted which means you will want to keep ordering a little bit more because once you get wasted they're going to toss you out anyways and you have to take a taxi home and you're not ordering food anymore exactly and and that's how spain got it like really figured out (laughs) and italy yeah. Aperitivo. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Aperitivo, yeah. I don't even use the word happy hour anymore. You always use aperitivo. And then, I'm, and then I end up having to like, like, like text a second text. Like, oh, by the way, aperitivo is this. Because <laughs> 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 we were like, well, what's aperitivo? Well, in the U.S., it's kind of unheard of. And I understand to anybody in the U.S., pairing a drink with a food I think that a lot of people in the U.S. sounds very like pretentious, you know yeah. what I mean? Because it's not something that you're used to. But when you actually have like a food that was actually like thoughtfully paired with something, 
you're like, oh my God, that goes perfectly with that. That Oh, that, what, a, what an experience in my mouth, man. I, yeah. I, and I know it sounds pretentious to some people, but really, if you ever, if you ever go to a proper place, I know. I think a lot and of Euro- many, European things are pretentious in the yeah. States. But, yeah. but it shouldn't be. And I think that's silly to think that way. But and people enjoy and things. more and more restaurants are, are saying, well, fuck it, we'll be pretentious then. Like, this is yeah. what we're going to do. Because I think that like, mixology and bartending should is just like a cook like a chef like we are we're making those salts we're making those those syrups we're mm. we're hand pressing these things we're absolutely doing, i mean we are chefs behind the bar yeah, of course and i think that you know if it's just a bar okay come in and appreciate this but if it's in a restaurant the idea i mean for me for many years my pride was just being able to work with those chefs and like what's this yeah. dish okay this is what i have in my mind and we would work together yeah wh- why to, think of the food and the drink separate yeah, when they should be actually exactly. together in Absolutely. your meal yeah. they should be together and in the best restaurants in the world they got that yeah it clicked yeah you know yeah. it doesn't matter where you where you are anywhere in the world if you go to some of the best restaurants in the world their cocktail menu matches their which makes complete complete sense. Yeah. Of course. I of course guarantee you, you their beverage director and their chef is on point together. They are cons- they're working on concepts together. I mean, because we, we do it with dessert all the time in the States and in Europe. You know, you mix a coffee with a biscotti or with a cake or something like that. That works really well together. Why is that not a bigger thing for actual like food food I, I think i think it's getting there I, i've noticed there's more and more of those kinds of places popping up in the u.s again they're still the minority but it's it, it is yes. slowly coming and and i i know especially places like la people they take pride in in knowing about these parents they feel like the cool person like yeah. oh, right, right. hey you don't know that this this goes away but LA, i do you know, chicago new yeah. york miami yeah sure providence you know yeah no, not profits. <laughs> um, but anyways, we should move on to cocktail number we three. Should. We should. Um, and speaking of uh, bartenders being like a chef, I have a question for the chef when we come back with cocktail number three. And we are back with cocktail number three. Trai. Trai or tres. tres. Trois. Yeah. Is that French? Yeah, menage en trois, three people. True. There you go. Okay. That's how I remember it. Languages. Yeah, but we're with cocktail number three. What do we have now, Vanessa? Mm. This time around, we have a nice, refreshing, kind of like what we would call like a highball, mm-hmm. um, which is basically just uh, rye with, or you can use any spirit, but we used rye with a little fresh lemon, uh, simple syrup, and a ginger orange soda. Oh, I love it. But this is technically not a highball glass that we're using, correct? No, it's not. No, no this. But that's not going to affect the whoops, the, the tasting. That's, no. just, that's more of a presentation thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, let's go. Cheers to you. Cheers, Cheers to you across Cheers. the aisle. Cheers. Ooh, oh my, that's good. That is refreshing. I feel refreshed. Mm. <laughs> that hits you though. Like, it does. It does. It, well, it's I, it's I got the, a really sharp, um, that citrus sour flavor. Yeah. yeah, that's good though. But it's good. Yeah. <laughs> and what what kind of what kind of rye did we use for this cocktail? We used few. Did we? Oh, few. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Few's good enough for the cocktail, huh? Okay. <laughs> she hates it. She's, this is the worst cocktail in my life. No, I actually. I mean, it is a delicious cocktail. To be to be mm. fair to everybody, while I have like tons of bottles of whiskey, the only bottle of rye that I had that actually had enough 
to serve everybody was a few. So she did it by default. Everybody can know it was by default, not because she I, wanted to. I'm not like anti-few. It's just not what I would go towards. I mean, when but I, this when is I describe, a delicious cocktail. When I describe people to you, I'm like, Vanessa, only thing I know about her is she hates few. <laughs> oh, great. That's not it. <laughs> few is not one of the few ryes that she would describe as her favorites. Right. That's, that's just exactly. it. Exactly. Uh-huh. And that's, that's always fine. Now, uh, I finished the last segment with saying I had a question for the chef. So I'm going to get to that question first before I forget it once again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now, we all know, you know, placing ice cubes into, say, a neat glass of whiskey is supposedly it dulls the flavor. People tend to not recommend putting a bunch of ice in your whiskey, um, which is why we always drink ours neat. Um, but interesting question. So I don't know, a few months back, we ordered a whiskey and I, I usually have them uh, delivered to a, a pack station, which is like a post box, a- outdoor post box. And uh, it took me two or three days to pick that whiskey up. So it's in this box, in this post box. And for those three days, it was very, very cold. Okay. So the bottle was quite cold when I, we opened it up and uh, the whiskey was fine. But it felt like it was missing something, and I'm and we were we were wondering. We we're like, okay, it, right, it, we actually talked about this last episode. Yeah, like the whiskey we had last episode tasted like it was, it was good, but tasted like maybe it was cold for a while. So some of the flavor was lost. In your experience, would this whiskey taste better, different if we waited a couple of days, you know, and it warmed up to a room temperature? I mean, I think temperature has everything to do with like masking a flavor so Mm. i think even when it comes to like white wine you drink white wine cold but when you taste a white wine like say from a distributor or like something you might want to like use for like a dinner party you want to taste it when it's warm not warm but room temperature so that you can really taste those flavors because chilling anything is going to mask the essential flavor of it okay i think okay yeah i mean i think that you should (laughs) always taste something at room temperature and and one quick uh, final comparison between the u.s and europe that we didn't quite get to before that Mm. i wanted to mention um is tipping culture now um so i mean you being a bartender you you would know and i think obviously we all know that everyone listening knows that that, americans tip and europeans don't tip as much yeah you know in general but i like that as much I like that part. Mm. So, <laughs> no, so so I'm saying like f- from what you've seen, um, is it is it nicer in the U.S. to be a bartender in terms of tipping, or or are bartenders in Europe paid more so it balances out with less tips? You know what I mean? Um, from what you've heard, uh, like, I mean, I think if you look at it from a service standpoint of view. I mean, when you go to the U.S., I, I mean, those people make zero money on their check i mean all they make is what you tip them and i Mm -hmm. think that really like not necessarily forces but encourages the staff to hone in on their craft and make Mm -hmm. and be the best and be the best server be the best bartender be the best everything because they have to because they have to make a living Mm -hmm. and they want every guest to be have the best experience and when you go to a restaurant you don't have to worry about wanting because it's it's given to you. Mm. Whereas in Europe, because people are paid more on a salary and it's less about tipping, they're going to make that salary whether you're happy or not true, as a guest true. in a restaurant yeah. or a bar. True. So I, I'm not saying that like nobody cares about their job and they don't hone in on their craft as well. But I just think that it's very apparent that most of the time, it's more about, yeah, I'm going to give you good service, but 
it's, it's, there's a difference, you know? I mean... I don't have to go the, ex- nobody, I don't have to go the extra mile. Yeah, yeah, nobody goes above and beyond because they don't have to. But I, it, it doesn't matter if I'm mad. I, I prefer the... Like, my, for example, when I'm out to, to dinner or um, at a bar, it's different. A bar, I want the bartenders, you know, I, I want to get my drink and sit back at my table. When, when I'm out to dinner, I don't want my server to be coming to my table every five to ten minutes because I want to sit down and enjoy the company of my family and my friends. Yeah, but at a bar, you don't you don't have that. At a bar, is different you, for sure. You have to make the effort to go to the bar and get right, that second exactly. drink. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, so that's no problem. Yeah, at a bar, it makes total sense. But I, I would say like, because when I, when I was serving, for example, I was told, you serve the food, you leave. They have one bite, you check out the food, and then you leave again. They're almost finished, you go with the check. You ask them with the check. If they do, you leave on the table. So it's like you had to go back all the time. And as a customer, like when I go back to the States now, I don't like going out to dinner anymore Yeah, as much just because I'm just, I feel like I can't chill and relax and enjoy myself because mm-hmm. I'm getting pushed out of the... Of the, no, of that I, mean, yeah. I see that, but at the same time, if if I'm if I order a meal and then it comes to the table, I mean, oftentimes it at no one's fault really. I mean, it's not like my server's fault only or the kitchen, whatever. But for some whatever reason, something happened where like there was something added to a dish that shouldn't have been, or we're missing something. Yeah, and then like here they drop off the food and then they're nowhere to be seen right. and if there's mm. a problem i have to get up and go and find them it's to true. say oh okay and then i feel uncomfortable because like i'm like oh god i'm that complaining person yep. you know and yeah. i'm not meaning to be whereas in the states i think it's like well they do come back and check a few minutes after the food has right. landed because they want to make sure that you're drinking your food is what you wanted it's, yeah. it's what you want what you ordered and then they go away if you have someone that's coming back a lot and often that i think maybe that's more of a place that you're going to as opposed to the type of service because I think that no, yeah they're just everywhere I mean, in the states they're coming all the time how many times do you sit in Europe anywhere you are and like your drink is empty for like it's ever. true it's true yeah and you're flagging them down and, and you you're can't, can't even get them, them yeah like can't find them to the bar yeah. and then like mm-hmm. I mean it's just like you as a as a business owner you're like how much money is flying out the door because you, because your guests are sitting yeah. there with the same first drink for two hours? Mm. No one's offering them more. And then, like as a server's point of view, like I mean, no, yeah, you get a salary, right? But it's not great. Like you want tips. Like mm. you want to make your guests happy. So, like, wouldn't you want to go back? Like, if my drink is empty. I mean, yeah, eventually when my conversation reaches a point with my friends that I can get up and walk away from the table, I'll go get a drink. But if you were to come over, I could have just ordered one right away. I could have three drinks before (laughs) I even order a second one if someone would come over and help me. Like, you're my server. Like, you should do that for me. And then, like, I don't know, maybe it's a pet peeve of mine, but I just cannot stand, like, if we've all finished our food and the plates are just sitting there. And yeah. no one comes over to take them away. Yeah. It's like you clearly see, like I've pushed it away. It's but but it's just stacking up. And like here, very it's so often nobody comes to pick it up. No one offers me a refill on my drink. And I, I I'm here to spend money. Like yeah. I'm here to enjoy your restaurant. I want to have another drink, but if I'm enjoying my conversation with my friends, am I gonna really stop the conversation to get up to go get another drink? 
Eventually, yes. Because then you're gone for maybe five minutes because you're waiting at the bar. Exactly. Yeah, there has to be some kind of like middle ground here, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah I, I, but I'd then, have... like, if you get crappy service here, and then like at the end, like at the um, the the American enemy still wants to tip, and I always do. But at the end of the day, it's you like, don't have to. If if I got this service in America, I'd be pissed. Yeah. And I probably and wouldn't want to. Wouldn't tip. give the fifteen twenty percent. I mean, I would tip anyway because yeah. it's like my industry. But like because of the industry and like getting paid salary. Yeah, a lot of the regular restaurants are just people that are just there because it's a salary. But when you get into the nicer restaurants and you get into those nice cocktail bars, those are people that really do work really hard on their craft and they are really good. And they do, you should tip. Mm. Moving here, I've realized that, yeah, people are paid a salary, but they are expecting a tip in a restaurant. I mean, and whether it's small or whether it's big, that's up to you. But I think like I I was told that, standards for a restaurant here is like 10 what is it like five percent ten percent ten percent if you really like it five percent if you're happy yeah yeah whereas like in america it's like 20 percent 20 percent which i refuse to pay i think that's ridiculous 15 percent if you're happy or like not like like satisfied but not happy in 20 or 25 percent and i think that even now five six years later i think it's even higher than that but well, i think like 20 percent is like it used to be like you, 10 15 and it now it's 20 to. i always tip 20 in the states yeah. right yeah and it's, it's, since i worked in the restaurant industry i always tip at least 20 yeah. because oh god 20 percent it's just a lot it's crazy percent but, but you think that but at the end of the day if you, I think the only people that haven't like traveled around the world can really respect how great the service is in most places in the U.S. A- absolutely, like, you know, and I'd love to go back to what you said before, because um, I, I think the European or German model it sounds great. Like, okay, I can sit here forever and nobody bothers me. But I have found the past few months, almost every restaurant I go with my girlfriend, we're sitting for about. 10, 15 minutes beyond us being done and wanting to leave and Mm. not able to leave. And we're waving, we're like, and and Mm. the waiters know they're not even, they're not even circling the floor, you know, like I think that's more common and it sounds great, but it also can be very annoying annoying where where we're often, we're like, we want to go, we're done. And we're, where is he? Where, oh, there he is in the wave. Oh, it doesn't see me. Okay. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think. So I wouldn't say the German model is the best. I think the balance of the U.S. and German model would be great. And not just German model, but the European model. It's a very European thing. It's not just German thing. It's very... I think they expect you to, to, we say, babysit that drink or marinate on mm. your on your one drink for two hours yeah. they expect that but so. i think i think you're too much left to your own devices where like you said it's like sometimes yeah like i've been done with this beer for a while and i want a second one but sometimes i've sat so long that I'm, I'm i'm just like okay i'm ready to go like and i would have had that second owner. yeah i would have had that second beer but nobody came to after to, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. many check times on yeah. me, you know and, and, and as a and business owner great, you know? that's just like money flying out right? the door yeah. that's what that's what i don't and, understand and as a yeah. server that's just money in your pocket that's flying out the door so like both parties all three parties are losing because yeah. you didn't get your second beer so maybe you're not mad about it, but you're also not happy about it. Nice so you leave. Yeah, yeah, you're like, yeah, it would be nice, but yeah. whatever. But then the owner's missing out on that money, and the server's missing out on that money, and like because their tip would be a little out. bit larger, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, like all parties lose when service isn't like a little bit more on point, and yeah. I think you miss that when servers aren't working for tips. You miss that, you know that um, that passion. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I think we sh- we have to at the come to a, a closure I or something. I think we point. do. Yeah. But I think a good place to wrap things up are two uh, very important questions. One, what what is your favorite go to whiskey? And second, what is your favorite cocktail, not to drink but to make? Ooh. Ooh. Nice. I mean, I, I think out of all the wonderful whiskeys out there i would have to say that my go-to more so is rye although i do mm. appreciate i'm a rye guy I, you I are mean, rye guy jeff love, we, have, we have heard this before <laughs> i love rye i love rye sipping neat and i also love it in cocktails i just mm. i just love it um i think probably my mo- my favorite cocktail to make oh my gosh i can't even i don't even know you know what i love mixing spirits with amaros and sherries so Mm. i love being able to take different obscure bitters and uh and making simple low abv cocktails which are actually becoming popular in the united states right now Mm. Um, but just making really low abv cocktails with like sherries and but also adding in a little bit of ports and stuff I nice. mean, not, I mean, whiskeys and stuff. Fun. And mezcal. Yeah. I can't ever leave my favorite mezcal. Nice. <laughs> and what's that one popular, is it a Manhattan that has cherries in whiskey? What's, what's there, there, there's some sort of popular whiskey drink that actually has cherries in it. Am I crazy? Uh, Manhattan, yeah. Is it a Manhattan? It's not, I wouldn't say cherries in plural. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry, cherry. Maybe cherry. a cherry garnish. Singular. Yeah, singular. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Jeff. do you do like a Manhattan or is that too more kind of basic? I mean... I think I could probably vouch for, I don't know, I'm not going to vouch for any bartenders, but I mean, <laughs> I would say, I mean, I love cocktails. I mean, I could drink any, any cocktail, but I, I would have to say that I'm probably more of like a neat drinker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like fair I, enough, I like enough, to yeah. have my whiskey, my mezcal, even my gin, sometimes a little bit neat. As right. it should be. Yeah. Right? Uh, but Manhattan's are amazing. It's <laughs> a good lord intended. <laughs> but I love a great Manhattan or an old fashioned. And uh, I would have to say my go-to cocktail as a drink would probably be a mezcal, a mezcal margarita. Mm, nice. Yeah. Now, we're not going to have a whiskey review for this episode. Uh, we, 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 I, okay, I got a different one. We've had three cocktails. What was your favorite? That's a good one. So... Um, I think I think the uh, man, that's tough. Mm. I th- I like I like this last one, but I think it's, it's between the first two with the with the whiskey sour and the old fashioned. But I really really enjoyed that whiskey sour. Yeah, <laughs> but the old fashioned was really special. Like that, I never had an old fashioned like that before. So I'm gonna go with the old fashioned because that was something like Beautiful. really unique that I don't think I'll ever probably have again unless you know. Vanessa Vanessa over here makes me something in the future. <laughs> uh, How about I, you, Jeff? I think I'd also have to go with the old fashioned. Uh, the old fashioned was kind of like back in the day, the first whiskey cocktail drink I really got into. So it's got like a soft spot in my heart. And, yeah. that, and this was an amazing it old fashioned. So, so uh, again, whiskey sour, amazing. This highball, amazing. But I think something about the old fashioned, it's just old fashioned. It's just classic. It is it's classic. It's like classic Coke, classic. you know? I like, feel old and I feel yeah. fashionable. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Vanessa, thank you so much for being on the show. Episode 80. Oh, did you want to ask one? her what her favorite one was? What's your favorite one? She made them. I don't know. Oh, um, man. I don't know. Yeah, I, re- I would probably say the old fashioned as well. No, I don't really. know. I'm a sucker for a whiskey sour. It's tough. I don't huh? have them very often. It's, it's tough. Fair enough. I do. It's tough to choose. I love them. Yeah. 
Well, it was lovely drinking them with you and watching you, you make them. I didn't like, I don't know, like, like I said, I'll drink cocktails. So it's super interesting seeing how, like you said, it, it is like cooking. You're, you're making a meal I mean, yeah. in front yeah. of us just without anything that's, you know, on fire. So really cool. Again, thanks, thanks for being on the show. Episode Thank 81. You. I think so. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. Hey, you're welcome. You're, you are welcome. <laughs> and for everyone listening, uh, again, thank you for sticking with us. We appreciate all of you. Oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, don't forget, you know, to head over to agdwpodcast.com uh, for all of the good stuff that's on that website. You'll have links to our Instagram and our YouTube and all of that jam. Yeah, and you'll get some photos from uh, from tonight of uh, Vanessa working her magic yeah. with her fingers. Yeah, go to, go, to, go to the extras page on our website. We'll we'll have a lot more photos and we'll post on Instagram. So you'll yes. have, so there's a reason to go to the website to find the, the good stuff of the mixology happening and again this could be our last uh episode for a few weeks we'll let you know that was a sorry that was a loud burst um <laughs> maybe one next week we're not sure yet but uh anyways everyone thank you for joining us and uh stay safe stay healthy and stay thirsty cheers, cheers. across the across the table across the table you almost broke this glass Welcome to Americans in Germany drinking whiskey. This is Jeff. And this is Alex. Today we have a new type of episode for all of you lovely people. Nope. Right. It's all bad. I know. It was terrible. But um, anyways. Okay. Wow. <laughs> what, what a transition. <laughs> and, yeah, what are you trying that. to say? <laughs> anyways. Can I think of something smoother? No, I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> my, my brain just fucking <laughs> shut off for a second. Okay.